Welcome to the fourth episode of In Context. This is a CCSU Journalism Department podcast done by CCSU Journalism students. I'm Christina Bachman, your quarantined host and producer. Today's episode, like many other things in the world right now, is focused on COVID-19 and how it's thrown us into this strange new normal, if you can call it that. We'll be taking a look at how CCSU is preparing for a partial reopening in the fall semester and how the Blue Devil community feels about that. We'll also talk about how some first-generation students celebrated the important milestone of graduating from college when physical commencements have been either canceled or postponed. And finally, on a lighter note, we'll see why pet adoptions are booming right now. Thank you for listening, and let's jump into CCSU's HyFlex reopening. What are HyFlex courses, and how do students and faculty feel about them? Let's find out. So what are your thoughts on potentially going back to campus in the fall? I personally think that it's not a safe idea. I still kind of think it's like unfair that they even have an option to open up campus. So at first I thought this would be a good idea, but then I saw how cases are rising again, and I changed my mind. It's it's a terrible idea. So online classes or on ground in person? I honestly think it should just all be online. We swapped to online and honestly that was, this was like one of my best semesters. One of my classes when we went fully online last semester, uh, we didn't have any sort of lecture or anything. The professor just had office hours once a week and you know, my, my that was the one class I felt kind of my performance suffered a bit. Any more thoughts? There shouldn't be anybody living on campus, especially like the quote, how close like how, like how close they'll be together in the dorm rooms. Like, that's my biggest concern. It, it's gonna come down to individuals kind of doing the right thing and staying away from people. And that makes me a bit nervous because, you know, in, in some states where that's been the case, they, they haven't done the right thing. And it just takes a few people not doing the right things to kind of ruin it for everybody. I have a two family house. So like my family downstairs, like, they all have compromised immune systems. So I'm worried about them. I just want to know like why they want to push to go back for the fall semester instead of like waiting it out and doing online during, like all online during the fall semester and then trying to do like this hybrid, you know, flex model in for the spring semester. In this new normal, there isn't like a college experience anymore. The CCSU administration wants to reopen the campus for the fall semester, and it's planning on doing this through making 35% of classes into HyFlex courses. HyFlex means a professor is teaching behind plexiglass to between 10 to 17 students, while the rest of the class is simultaneously watching the lecture online. Class time will be reduced to 50 minutes to allow cleaning after each block. Like the students you just heard from, some of CCSU's faculty is a bit concerned about the HyFlex model. Dr. Henry Green, who's chair of the marketing department, thinks it won't be sustainable, especially when CCSU is already putting so many resources toward keeping the empty summer campus safe. I have to wonder if we can put in this much effort when there's nobody around, essentially, how could we possibly uh, keep everybody safe when the fall starts with thousands of people? My thought is, the way things are right now, today, we can't do it. Green is also worried about how the university is going to enforce social distancing. In the Vance building, are they all going to ride the elevator together? Right now, they... The rule is in the summer that I can't get on the elevator if there's one person on it. What are they going to do in the, when school starts? Green thinks that CCSU might be rushing into a reopening, and Dr. Charles Button, the geography department's chair, feels the same way. Button believes that the fall semester should be entirely online and disagrees with the Board of Regents' position against regularly testing faculty and students. Last year, uh, all that had occurred was there was a student who 
thought they might have been in contact with somebody who was in contact with somebody that had COVID-19. And we shut down the whole campus instantly. Everyone was sent home. So how do you get from that logic to we don't care if you have COVID-19, come to campus. We don't need to know if you have it or not. Just come on to campus. Right? So it doesn't take an extremely intelligent person to envision scenarios that end up being a nightmare. It's coming across that the decision to make the universities function in the classroom uh, is purely being based on monetary and financial determinants, not not science. Dr. John O'Connor is a bit worried about the high-flex courses, too. He was on CCSU's logistics and operations work group that helped develop an outline for the high-flex opening of the campus. This high-flex modality, uh, I I think it's kind of dodgy. You have a professor standing up in the middle of class, but if someone is exposed to the virus or someone actually tests positive for the virus, uh, that high-flex class is immediately thrown into chaos. O'Connor is of the opinion that faculty should get to decide whether they teach online or on campus. I think what we have to do is we have to sort of allow faculty really to have the choice and modality, right? I mean, they, for both health and safety reasons, but also they have to make decisions about what is the best way in this sort of national health crisis to deliver Faculty were actually asked what method of teaching they preferred, but Louise Williams, who is president of the faculty union, the CCSU AAUP, said that some of the requests were lost to miscommunication. I think there's been a little hiccup. Um, We were asked, but then some faculty who asked for a certain modality were given something different. There is a way if you're, you know, if you have some kind of underlying illness, um, to, to ensure that you're not on campus. So they're not certainly not going to make anybody who has underlying illnesses go on campus. I mean, it's a little bit cumbersome. We're hoping to streamline it. I mean, that's the other thing we're asking is to streamline the process. Right now, there's a lot of forms you have to fill out and doctors notes and all these things that, you know, it, it's taking up a lot of time and effort that we think could be, could be made a little bit simpler. Um, that's our only other concern is to try to make it a little bit simpler. Williams thinks that the choice between teaching in person or online should be left to faculty not only out of health and safety concerns, but also because they know themselves how they can teach best. I teach history, um, and in my general education courses, I do these complex role-playing games where students take on roles of historical characters, they give speeches, but then they've got to kind of negotiate with each other and make private deals with various students. Students have to like interact with other students. The way they've set up the high flex, I can't really use that pedagogy because there's going to be 15 to 17 students in the classroom and then all the other students are going to be watching it virtually, watching it at home. It's going to be live streamed. The students can't, I can't do small group work with all the students and those who aren't in the room can't really participate. But last spring I did these games on um, virtually on Zoom with Slack as a you know communication program, but also there's breakout rooms in the Zoom, so the students could talk to each other and interact. And I mean, it worked quite well. So I would be really unhappy, you know, not to be able to use the pedagogy that I think teaches students history best. Williams said that the union is quote not uncomfortable with the safety precautions Central will be taking to make the reopening work. And according to CCSU President Dr. Zulma Toro. There are a lot of precautions. 
CCSU currently has four different plans ready to put into place. One for reopening, one for quarantining, one for a shutdown, and one for monitoring health conditions. This includes protocol for what happens if there is a COVID exposure in a classroom. There is a testing protocol as well that will be followed. But the first thing is that we need to see when the faculty member uh, was, uh, when the students were exposed to that faculty member. But uh, definitely, if, if that is the case, then we will have to determine if the students that were in the class were in close proximity or were exposed to that faculty member, and then we will have to follow the testing protocol we have in place. Toro also reiterated that faculty have a way to opt out of teaching high flex. For the faculty members who have been assigned high flex uh, courses, there is uh, a process that they can go through that uh, with human resources if they feel that they cannot uh, teach the course. And then uh, uh, human resources will work with the dean and with the individual faculty members in the determining what can be done in their cases. And that could be could include uh, an accommodation, special accommodation for them, or uh, then a change in schedule for that specific faculty member in such a way that they are not teaching high flex. But for the most part, up to this point, the, the uh, assignment of courses, high flex, has considered uh, a conversation between the department chair or the dean and the faculty member. If COVID hits the campus, the university will be responsible for contact tracing, Toro said, and will utilize students from the nursing department and staff to fulfill it. Additionally, according to the monitoring portion of the plan, 5 to 10 percent of the resident student population and residence hall directors will be tested weekly and randomly. Toro said she is personally determined to ensure the health and safety of the CCSU community so that higher education can continue. That means enforcing one-way traffic, masks, and the practice of good hygiene. We believe that with the adjustments we have made, we will be able to maintain uh, physical distancing. We definitely will educate the students in terms of social responsibility because at the end of the day, we are depending on each individual taking responsibility for wearing a face uh, mask, for example. We are uh, expecting individuals to wash their hands. We are expecting individuals to maintain social distancing. And those are, uh, again, expectations we have. We are putting in place all the, the health and safety measures that we can think of from providing uh, personal protective equipment, to using technology to help us, to physical barriers, to um, signs and, and management the traffic within buildings and across the university in such a way that it's one-way traffic only. And, and we have changed the cleaning regimen as well. We have taken all these uh, measures, but also every individual has to be responsible for his or her behavior. We are here to educate students and facilitate their social 
As of now, CCSU is going through with the HyFlex model. Course registration now indicates what type of class a student is in and whether or not they've been assigned an online seat. And while universities like Central are looking to the next semester, some students are still feeling the abrupt end to the spring 2020 semester. When Connecticut was facing a surge in COVID-19 cases earlier this year, universities across the state not only shut down, but canceled commencement ceremonies as well. Originally, it looked like CCSU wouldn't have a physical commencement at all. Social media exploded with students devastated by the news. So the university looked at December as a potential rescheduling date, my birthday, coincidentally, before finally, eventually, settling on October 11th. The sudden swing to online classes and online commencements was disappointing to CCSU students who'd looked forward to walking in the spring. Personally, I'd been really excited to graduate with my friends and as the first U.S.-born member of my immediate family. And with diplomas coming in the mail now, the wounds feel fresh all over again. But my devastation was nothing compared to that of first-generation college graduates like Jasenia Gonzalez. For me to get to this point was not only incredibly special for me, but especially for that too, to be the first in my immediate family to graduate with a degree was a really big deal. But, you know, we're trying to make the best of it, and we're doing, taking pictures and doing little celebrations, but we tend to make the best of it. Like other first-generation graduates, Gonzalez and her family took it upon themselves to celebrate, whether that be through photo shoots at the park or little get-togethers. And though not having an in-person ceremony was upsetting, Gonzalez thought that the circumstances actually made her graduation more special. At the end of the day, it's COVID-19, it sucks, but we're, it's not anything, it's, nonetheless, it's more meaningful now than ever. CCSU first-generation grads weren't the only ones hit by the pandemic. Over at UConn, Maxine Philavong and her family were also upset by the news. My mom was very, very upset when she got the news, uh, just because she's been like planning this whole graduation party for like maybe over a year, and she has been talking about it for over a year. So I think being the first one in my family to graduate, everyone was really, really excited and finally able to like celebrate this big achievement that we all kind of did together. UConn hosted a virtual graduation ceremony that Philavong watched with her mom, who was on FaceTime. She took it really hard, um, especially well, especially during the actual like online graduation. She was like she was sobbing because of how disappointed she was and how like we couldn't even be together because we don't live in the same house. UConn students also took graduation into their own hands, with the gaming club holding a ceremony via the video game Minecraft. Taking inspiration from that, Philavong and her friends had their own graduation party through the game Animal Crossing, as well as Zoom. Still, Philavong wishes that she could have experienced a physical graduation, being her family's first person to go to a four-year college. I think graduating from UConn past the rest of us must be the culmination of like all the hard work and like years of depth that I put into it. and. It's kind of like a lackluster uh, kind of ending because it's, it's kind of a non-ending, right? Because it's just like I finished the class online and, you know, so it's kind of just me sitting in my room by myself being like, oh, yeah, I graduated. Both UConn and CCSU are hoping to hold physical commencement ceremonies in October, according to email announcements from both institutions. In the meantime, Connecticut is still pushing stay home, stay safe. And for some people, all this staying home and staying safe has opened up a different kind of opportunity. The one to give all their time to an animal. In April, Wired reported that all over the country, shelters are reporting massive upswings in the numbers of animals they've been able to adopt out or place in foster homes. Pat Eaton Robb, an Associated Press reporter who lives in Columbia, 
lost his dog last October. When the pandemic hit, his family decided it was the perfect time to get a new puppy. And now they have Duncan, a rambunctious half-beagle, half-facet that likes to steal food and chew slippers. Obviously, it gives us something to do other than just, you know, work and hang around the house and, uh, you know, um, gives you an excuse to go outside to walk in and uh, play with him and, and that stuff. And obviously, dogs are always good for cuddling and petting and making you feel better. Having Duncan has served as a distraction from the pandemic, Ian Robb said. Good to, it's good to have um, just something to occupy your your time with, you know, whether it's feeding him or walking him. Or, he always keeps us busy, so get your mind off other things. Yeah, he's got his little routine down. And my son's home from college, so it's been good for him to have a pal to hang around with, too. Because being away from <laughs> all your friends and stuff is not easy. Having a routine in the middle of a pandemic that's upended people's lives is important, according to CCSU Coordinator of Wellness Education, Dr. Jonathan Pohl. Caring for an animal helps maintain a routine, Pohl said. It allows people to help structure their lives because they'll have to take care of the animal, and it'll distract them from the anxiety they're experiencing about the whole stay home. Pohl himself is taking care of many animals, like a lot of animals. His family has three cats and a dog, and he had to take the wellness center's aquarium home with him when CCSU suddenly shut down. He also feeds birds and the other wild animals that live around the home. Pohl said that his family has definitely felt the mental health benefits. The animals do help us relax. They also help entertain us. Um, the cats will end up play fighting, and then the dog will think they're really fighting, so as a sheriff, she'll come in and break up the fight. And it's like, no, no, they're good, they're good. But it's that kind of a thing. It's a grounding process. With the animals around, you feel very grounded because you know, you're, you know what's going to happen when you open that can of cat food or you know what's going to happen when you take the dog out in the backyard and walk around. And it, it's relaxing. Our anxiety level goes down because the animals are not anxious. They're living day to day. And what happened yesterday, they forgot about it. Over at the Connecticut Humane Society in Newington, marketing and communications manager Susan Walschlager said that though the shelter hasn't cleared out entirely, fosters have volunteered in waves. More than 70 animals were placed in foster homes in the span of two days. I think a lot of people just feel like, I want to do something, I want to help somebody right now. Don't really know how I can do that, but you know, one way might be to help an animal in need, and so I think that just really has had an effect on a lot of people everywhere. She herself has a little pup that's helped her through the pandemic. To have that animal with you is priceless during something like this because you do have that companionship. But though having an animal during COVID-19 can be beneficial mentally, Walschlager said that the Humane Society is still expecting an unfortunate side effect to the pandemic. People surrendering their pets because they lost their jobs or because they can't care for their pets anymore once they go back to work. The Humane Society is actively preparing for surrenders, and shelters across the state have teamed up in the Clear the Shelters initiative to adopt out pets to make room. You go back to work and might have the time now, but you might not have as much later when you go back to your office or wherever you work. And so think about that if you're adopting now or later. At the top of this episode, I refer to myself as your host and producer or your quarantine host and producer. But I am here to say that, actually, I've graduated. 
this spring semester was my last semester and I can officially say that I'm a college grad. So that means that this is my last episode within context. And there are a lot of things that I want to say, but all I can really say is that I'm incredibly thankful to have been given this opportunity. When I started with the podcast, I barely knew anything about audio editing or podcasting, but I dedicated myself to learning on the job, even if that meant staying very late into the night in our department's booth, which I actually started to enjoy, strangely enough, being alone in that little claustrophobic room. (laughs) And I look back now and am so proud of what we've done here, like securing first, second, and third place awards for audio storytelling in the Connecticut Society of Professional Journalists College Contest. Like, I still can't believe that. And you don't know how happy it made me to learn that people like you are listening. So I personally want to thank the journalism department and our listeners for, you know, treating me well as your host and producer over the past episodes that I've been a part of. And I'm looking forward to seeing where In Context goes from here. I'm confident it's going into good hands. So thank you for listening and... For the last time, Christina Walkman signing off.